In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland, as the big boys told you. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Back for more fun one day later after the Browns' mandatory minicamp rolls on in Berea. Again, he's Daryl. I'm Andy. Daryl was on the ground like one of our entrenched reporters, as he is each and every day. In Berea, and what is the latest, uh, what was the feeling today, day two of mandatory minicamp? Uh, one day to go. One day to summer vacation, Andy. One day to thinking? go. Two down, one to go. And then school's out for summer. Can't wait. <laughs> Hasn't school been out for summer since the beginning of January? Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll say this, uh, the optimism is, uh, reigning supreme right now. Um, if they can convert the off season optimism and in, in, into victories this fall Browns fan going to be really, really happy. I mean, look, they, they look good. Um, it, it doesn't look like the, uh, some of the, uh, I'd like to call them some of the, you know, the, the, the slap ass mini camps that we've had in prior years, not so much under Stefanski, but I'm just like talking in general, right? Where, you know, everyone's talking. Right, well, hang, hang on. Tell me something bad that you've seen before in these mandatory mini oh, just that you know, we're not drop, seeing. Yeah, drop passes, you know, guys just, you know, half, half ass and drills and stuff like that. Right. And we, we don't see any of that uh, out in Berea uh, these days. I mean, the defensive linemen turn their individual drills into competitions now, you know, and they're hitting the pads and going through the, the, the cones or uh, the, the, the dummies, if you will, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're competing who can get through them faster and who can get to that dummy quarterback and swipe away the football, the fastest amongst them, or, you know, who can lift the sled uh, be, or be, you know, be the first to, to hit and lift the sled and things like that. So you really see the, the competitive nature, the chemistry be- between Deshaun and these receivers um, has just grown by leaps and bounds in just such a short uh, amount of time. I know we talked a little bit about that, Andy, on the last podcast, but you know, while he wasn't firing off touchdown passes the way he was on Tuesday, I mean, it, it's still there. Like you, you, you can see the the growth, and he's starting. And I I let off my uh, my Wednesday brownie bites column with. Uh, the the fact that he's starting to look like the player they traded for. Like when you watch him, like you're starting to to see the talent uh, that they expected to be traded uh, trading for last year. What, Darrell? What does that mean, though? Is that confidence? Is that ability to throw the ball? Is that reading the play? I mean, I still think that some of the stuff. Um, I'm not saying smoke and mirrors, but some of the stuff is magical because no one's got pads on and you're playing in shorts and the defense is not anywhere near where the defense would be during a game. Right. Well, Just, and this I'm is, double checking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is all true, but again, I I've watched practices where the Browns failed to like complete passes in certain series before, like, you e- know what e- I mean? Like, oh, wow. I, I, not under Stefanski, but I'm just like speaking in general. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we we've seen some pretty craptastic, football on the field during games. And we've seen it certainly in practice as well. And you, you don't get that sense uh, with this group that the talent that they have is showing up and um, some of the dynamic pieces, like you, you can see Marquise Goodwin's speed, the impact that has same thing with Elijah Moore, right? 
I mean, they're doing they're doing some stuff with Elijah Moore that I think could potentially just be silly, stupid, hilariously fun. The, the you know this this fall uh, if they are able to have success incorporating it uh, this offseason and then using it uh, on game days. But yeah, I mean, and and Deshaun, it was interesting because when we spoke to Deshaun on Wednesday, Andy. You know, he, he was talking about like everything's new, like the, the offense is new. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. He said everything's new. And I'm like, come on, everything can't be new. It's it's still you know, football when it's all said and done, right? Would you like me to put that through the Daryl Ryder uh, translator? Yes. Uh, mixing it through the translator right now. And what he's talking about is, yeah, the offense has been rebuilt to basically play to his strengths. Like Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt and even Deshaun, because Watson talked about this as well on Wednesday. They have put their heads together on multiple occasions, gone through film, looked at concepts, what works, what doesn't work, what he's comfortable with, what he's not comfortable with. And then also looked at the personnel that he has around him, a la Nick Chubb, a David Njoku, a Harrison Bryant, the new, you know, the new receivers, the existing receivers, Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples Jones, right? And just kind of really put things together to where Deshaun feels comfortable, which I think that's a big part of everything, Andy, right? Mm -hmm. Right. He's more comfortable this year. He doesn't have the specter of uh, the legal troubles, the league discipline. Yes, I know he still has the two pending lawsuits uh, going, but like he doesn't have, you know, 24, 25, 26 of these things hanging over his head. He's not sitting there wondering, am I playing week one, two, or you know, do I even get to play this year? Those type of things are not on his mind. He, When he's in Berea now, he really is able to invest in the football aspect of things. And I think that that, that uh, plays a big part. Personnel plays a big part. And again, Stefanski and Van Pelt showing their flexibility and willingness to uh, you know, change things up, if you will, and put in concepts that he likes that he he uh, really plays at a high level uh, with. Um, I think that just all that kind of plays into it, right? Just feeds into it. Now, the thing is, and this is where I think you're you're and uh, you and other you know fans will question, you know, well, you know, we hear this crap every year, right? Everybody's right. always excited in the off season and in talking a good game. I I, I mean. And I'm going to give Deshaun credit. I mean, he was asked if he had the rust knocked off of him. And he said, well, we're going to find out in week one. Hmm. We'll know in week one against Cincinnati at Cleveland Brown Stadium if the rust is knocked off. I'm not going to sit here and say that it is. Uh, you know, I need to get out there and 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 do it. So, um, yeah, I just think that all of that kind of it feeds into, uh, you know, where he's at. And, again, um, he just he he looks leaps and bounds ahead of where he was a year ago. And he even said, I'm pretty far ahead where I was last year. And it's starting to show up on the field. That's for sure. Um, So I, I think and I don't know if we talked about this yesterday, but I thought it was interesting. Kevin recognized it today that, you know, he had said that there was um, a disconnection between the offensive line and Sean. I think did we talk about this yesterday for a minute or not? Because. No. I thought when Kevin said it today, you know, I've been talking about it for a while that the biggest difference in the offense last year was you could see all the things that could happen, but because Deshaun has that unbelievable ability to extend a play like no other quarterback that I've seen around here in a long time, 
that the offensive line wasn't built for that. It was built for Jacoby Brissett. And you could see that at times last season that they just weren't on the same page, but you were wondering, because Jeff keeps asking me about this too. And I keep saying, look, here's the deal. If the offense can get in sync with Deshaun, then we're all going to be winners in this thing. Because last year they were just the, the timing, the rhythm, and you know, all you do is just you get a couple of legal men downfield and you can understand exactly what's going on with an offensive line that's trying to hold the line. And then all of a sudden it's like two, three, four. Oh my God, he still has the ball. So I, I think that's the biggest challenge they have going into the season. And that's the thing I think I'm most looking forward to watching that evolve um, through the preseason and to be able to watch them in the regular season without having that issue. Well, and Joel Batonio touched on this today. And here's what Joel said. He said, quote, just know where he's at. If he sets it sets to 10 yards, our tackles need to realize we have to get a little bit more depth and stuff like that. We're kind of feeling it out right now, getting the film on it. So when he comes to training camp and games, we can kind of realize where we set. And I think he does set a little bit deeper than Jacoby did. And that's what they're referencing. Those illegal man downfield penalties, getting, you know, making sure that they don't get too many of those. But again, that's, I think that's just going to be, you know, uh, CODB cost of doing business. Sure. It's always, you know, they're, they're going to get some of those. And he's even said, uh, Betonio has like it. They just got to know where he's setting up in the pocket. You know, how long he holds the ball for the, the mobility, you love the mobility and things like that. But, you know, last year, those final six games, uh, were kind of a crash course. And Petonio talked about, you know, where there were times where he would break tackles that were sacks and make big runs and things like that. They just got to, for lack of way of being put, they got to do a good job of, you know, having, having eyes in the back of their heads. Right. I don't right. know. Maybe, maybe they can, maybe they can put some like rear view mirrors in the, in the helmet so they can see behind them where the Sean is and all of he like bicycle riders. Yeah. Right, you know, yeah, like but, bicycle riders. but yeah, they, they just, they just have to get a better field. I, I think that the more they work, Andy, um, the, the better that's going to be, but there is going to be some, some cost to doing business when you're talking about those illegal man downfields and even some holdings, right. You know, because they're right. going to, they're going to try and hold those blocks longer with, Deshaun on the move and tucking in and running with the football. So, uh, but uh, they got one of the best offensive line coaches in the business and Bill Callahan. So, you know, you know, Andy, they're going to figure that stuff out. Yeah. I, I, I'm not worried about it, but it was just weird to watch last year. So it's always game day in Cleveland day two of mandatory minicamp more on that next. Yeah. It's always game day in Cleveland. I'm Daryl Ryder. He's Andy Baskin. Reminder, mobile sports betting is finally legal in Ohio, actually since January, and BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible. See all of today's best bets by heading to BetQL.com or by downloading the BetQL app. Claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for exclusive sportsbook offers. He's Darrell Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. So, you know, we're talking about what happened at Mandatory Minicamp. This is day two of three. We'll be back again tomorrow as well to do another podcast just to keep you up to speed on everything that's going on with the Browns we don't want you to miss a beat and we also want you to be a part of the show uh, if you have the opportunity and you want to drop us a line knock yourself out at game day CLE or you can also catch us uh, on Instagram at game day CLE and I did have someone drop me a line on Twitter nice and so I want to uh, <clears throat> I want to respond to uh, something because I thought it was a good question 
Um, and ba- based on uh, the podcast or based on something you said over there? Uh, no, it's it just it's just something that it happened to get brought up. Uh, R at R E P E T E R zero five one nine five five. Whoever that is. Uh, They said uh, at me, when is the narrative going to change from, quote, acquiring player X just puts more pressure on Deshaun to win to acquiring player X puts more pressure on the opposition to win? I'm liking GM Barry's all in attitude more and more. I would say that that will change when Deshaun starts winning games because that's what he's being paid $230 million to do. And he's not done it yet. He's 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 three and three. Uh, it's still early in his Browns career, but yeah, I mean the the pressure is on him to live up to what he's being paid, right? Mm-hmm. And to elevate those around him. Um, and let's be honest about it. From my perspective, he's still unproven as the Browns' starting quarterback. Um, his resume. I agree. You know, no one wants to bring that up, Daryl. And we just sometimes we take it as gospel that he's going to be this next great quarterback. Now, it helps when you're telling me over the last two days that he looks good. But, I, I, again, I can't take the gospel. I've seen so many bad quarterbacks, and I want to believe, and I want to go dive into the pool with the, with Deshaun Watson and believe that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But I can't until I see it on the field. Yeah, and and so that that's just kind of like where I'm at. Um, I, I know what the potential is, but I've not seen that potential translate on the field to, you know, those big gaudy numbers he put up with the Houston Texans and, and victories. So when he starts doing that, right, then we can say, yeah, man, like this player's been added. Oh, that's just really going to stick it to the opposition. I mean, we've been saying that about a lot of guys for years and years and years and years where, um, we have been, you know, so optimistic and projecting, right? All the all these great things. And and look, I'm doing it again this offseason because I, I love what I've seen from Deshaun. But until he starts stacking yards, touchdowns, and victories for the Browns, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to be like, hey, yeah, if they add DeAndre Hopkins, like opponents are just SOL. They might as well not even show up on Sundays, right? Um, right. I, I, I love it. And we're going to get into where things stand with uh, DeAndre here in a minute. But yeah, so that that's where I'm at. And yeah, if Deshaun does win and he puts up those big numbers, then sure. Yeah, that narrative is going to change in very, very quickly. What do you think Deshaun's learned in this year and a half with the Browns? Like where, I mean, the learning curve is so weird because he was such a strong quarterback and then boom, career stops. And then you got to ramp it back up. And we're ramping, we're cutting, we're getting, and we're like here. Yeah. We're not yelling and screaming yet, but we're like about here. What do you think he's learned? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what he's learned. Um, because hmm. that's a very broad question, right? Are we, just, are we talking off the field? Are we talking? No, no I'm talking on the, I'm talking about on the field uh, with the Browns. And, and, and I think if I'm Deshaun, I, you I'm know what I think he learned? Two years, nearly two, two seasons off really hurt him. Right. It, it, uh, yeah. Totally, yeah. it totally disrupted his rhythm and flow as a, as a quarterback, because he, he talked a lot about that uh, on Wednesday, you know, getting that rhythm and flow back, getting that muscle memory back, getting the, the speed of the game, right. Getting that internal clock back. Um, I, I would say that's, that's probably what he's, he's learned is that 
Um, that, that time off was detrimental to him. And uh, now that he's getting those, his natural ability back, right? You mm-hmm. get those intangibles back. Now you can, you can play more carefree. You can do less thinking. Like we've been talking about the Browns defense with Jim Schwartz and how I anticipate they're going to do less thinking, which means they're going to go make more plays now. Right. I think what it's going to be with Deshaun is he's going to be doing less thinking. He's going to have a better understanding of, of what Stefanski and Van Pelt want him to do with this, within this offense. And it's going to lead to him being a more productive player. I'm hoping that he's learned that the Browns are willing to do whatever it takes to help him. I I really do. I mean, first of all, they did that financially and there was no doubt about it and that they weren't going to, they were going to make sure that not only were they going to invest in him, but they were also going to make sure that he's got the best possible offensive line. They feel like he's got the best tight end or one of the best tight ends in the game and David Njoku and that he's got a wide receiving core that they are going to invest in. And by the way, when you turn around, you may have the best running back in the league behind you. Yeah. So I, I would agree with that. I mean, you can't, uh, e- e- even if they don't get DeAndre Hopkins, like you just, there's, there's just no way you can say that Barry and even the Haslam's right. Aren't willing to provide the resources necessary. Like it's there. I, I almost feel like Andy, this is a, a, it's basically a put up or shut up year for everybody. Start starting with Kevin Stefanski down to Deshaun Watson down to guys like David Njoku and Miles Garrett and stuff like like it's really hard to like look at this team and be like yeah they just they, there's not enough yet they don't have enough yet um i just i feel that good about the roster but as we know the last couple of years talent guarantees you nothing the, um i feel like even without DeAndre Hopkins they have enough talent to make the playoffs and make some noise in the playoffs. I'm not going to sit here and talk about Super Bowl or, or, you know, stuff like that. Cause I think it's disrespectful to the process of getting to that level. Um, Cause it's easy for us to talk about it. I've cut, you know, we, we've mentioned it. Uh, I've mentioned it on your show. I've mentioned it on the podcast, like I've covered enough guardians slash Indians as well as Cavalier playoff runs to really have an understanding of the difficulty it is to get to that final championship round. It's so hard. Yes. And speak and I I really wish that fans in sports and I get it. I mean that's why you're fans. But it's why I rarely will buy into it is win a championship or this Robots. season has been a failure. I now when LeBron was with the Cavaliers the last 4 year those 4 years from 2014 to 2018 yeah, I kind of had that mentality because I knew the clock was always ticking with LeBron, right? You're right. so yeah. much time with him. So you basically got to, it, it is, you got to win the NBA finals or your season's pretty much a failure because he's going to leave again at some point and, and go win titles elsewhere. So that, that clock is always ticking. Whereas like, even like with the guardians, it's just like, just get in the tournament and see what happens. You never know. You, right. you I mean, there have been a yeah, 97. I don't think anyone had the Indians going to the World Series back then. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that Yankees, well, no, no, 97. They may they did. No, I mean, they, they won, were kind of reconstructed, but the, no, the pitching staff 80, major they, they, they won 88 games in the regular season. They they were very, very mediocre. That but you still year. weren't that far removed from 95 to think that if they caught a couple breaks, they could but get my, there. But my point is that October was so bat bleep crazy. 
right? Uh, the yeah. Yankee, the Yankees series in and of itself was crazy. True. And and you know, they had some things go their way, and they ended up back in the World Series. That I mean, that's the point I'm trying to make. You just yeah. never know. You know what can happen when you get in the play. I mean, my God, in 2020, the Browns were literally one or two plays away from the conference championship game. Think about that. Well, think about this. You're one or two plays away from the championship and four quarters from the Super Bowl, and they blew it up. Yeah. They blew it up. Well, I don't know. They blew it up completely. I mean, they from the quarterback aspect, they did. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, that that aspect they did, but the core of the teams in play, like Miles Garrett's been how about think about this? It was, uh, uh, in when J- David Njoku was trying to bust my chops a little bit today, and I, I kind of like misunderstood what he was doing. And uh, like, I, I think how long he's been here. Think how long Miles Garrett's been. No, here. I know, I know. The the core of this team, Nick Chubb, he's been here. I mean, he's been here since 2018. Like the the core of this team has been here together for a, by NFL standards, Andy. For a long, long time. So that's, that's why true. I really feel like that this is a put up or shut up year for this core. Well, they're here and the team won't be here for a little bit. And we're going to explain that when we come back because the guys were talking about that day two of mandatory minicamp. It's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. So I, I talked about it in the last segment there for a second. And now we'll get to it here. Greenbrier became a very, very big subject. And I think that. Bronze fans may forget this because it's so easy to uh, because we have an extra uh, preseason game this year, and there's you know they get to start before everybody else, so they're taking the show on the road. What were guys saying about going off to Greenbrier for I, what is it eight days, Daryl? Yeah, man, that eight, seems eight. like a long time. A I I booked eight crazy nights. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't eight read. crazy nights. <laughs> I love Adam Sandler. Um, I don't know. Am I even allowed to make that joke? Sure. Knock yourself out. It's a holiday song. Okay. Uh, I mean, we all know why Rudolph's red was so, or why his nose is red, right? Right. Um, a little bit of, um, a little bit of reindeer schnapps will do that to you. <laughs> so, well, so Deshaun Watson's done the Greenbrier thing a couple of times with with uh, the the Texans. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, he's he's all about it. Uh, so, he, little inside football for you. The reason why it was such a hot topic today is. This is the last time we get to talk to these guys for like six weeks. Right. So we kind of have to touch on a lot of stuff. Like uh, at some point I'll write, I'm going to write a, an article about Jim Brown and the re, you know, a lot of the reactions to the passing of Jim Brown. And we talked, we, a lot of our conversation uh, on Wednesday with Nick Chubb had to do with, with Jim Brown and him, you know, kind of like uh, being the modern version of him for lack of a better correlation right i mean when you watch those two guys film next to each other and and joel batonio you mentioned he's like i don't mean this disrespectfully but like when i watch nick chubb run all i think about is you know jim brown has been dropped into this era or nick chubb has been dropped into you know jim brown's era because they have you know they have similar running styles they bounce off defenders they break tackles they stiff arm they're both explosive runners and so you know, we got to get all these subjects in because, like I said, we don't get to talk to these guys for like six weeks and we all have, you know, content to fill over the next. So so the getting everyone's thoughts on going to Greenbrier and kicking training camp off down there. I mean, obviously the number one, excuse me, I got the hiccups. The number one reason why. Hey, at uh, least you can breathe in this bad air. Yeah. It's, it's a horrible on allergies right now. Yeah. So just... Um. 
the, the reason they're going down there is basically to eliminate distractions and them to be focused on football. I mean, Kevin Stefanski made the joke on Wednesday that he, he hopes there's no cell, cell phone service down there. To which I was like, yeah, it is West Virginia. There's a pretty good chance that could be a problem for me. Because <laughs> that just didn't even like dawn on me for a second. So now I'm sitting here thinking, do they have internet in West Virginia? <laughs> do they? Like, it is West Virginia. <laughs> so I'm all of a sudden a little concerned. Because like I'm a bit of a tech snob, so it's like no kidding, and, all my gadgets and gizmos gonna be working down there. Am I gonna be able to file my stories? Is there gonna be Wi-Fi? I mean, there are times when I'm in Berea, Andy, and I can't get a bar on my phone. Wow. So, so yeah, I, these are things that now all of a sudden I'm worried about. When Kevin Stefanski mentioned cell phone service, I got immediately nervous. Did you look ahead? I'm surprised you didn't do a Google search to see how strong the service is there. Uh, I will. Don't worry. I've got six weeks to prepare for this. Uh, I'm just, I'm worried for you. I'm worried there. All right. So they're off for six weeks. Any other hot topics or anything else you saw at uh, day two uh, of mandatory minicamp? Yeah. I mean, the defense kind of came to play a little bit uh, on uh, day two, which which was kind of cool. You knew they were going to respond right after, right after Deshaun carved them up a little bit. Um, but uh, Any smack talk today too? there's some 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 little bit of trash talk um you know uh we we got to talk to dalvin tomlinson after practice uh, who by the way is like doing cartwheels because his you know his buddies at area smith is oh yeah you know how how cool is that right you sign with the browns as a free agent and then they go out later in and trade for a guy uh that you played with and one of the interesting wrinkles that we're we have seen is uh and i've already seen it out there uh um dalvin talked about it because you notice i'm like real cautious i don't want to sure. way too many things about formations and types of plays they're running and things like that because i want to certainly be respectful uh you know toward the browns there in that regard but i mean they're they're putting zadarius and dalvin inside on on in a couple of packages uh, which is kind of really, really cool. And I, I, I think that that's just going to be a, uh, how do I want to say this? Cause wait, are you saying they're flipping the inside and the outside on this play or they're putting other defensive ends it, it, in? No, the, these, these two guys are, the, they're the defensive tackles next to each other. They're, they're, so they're moving Zadarius inside to play next to, to Tomlinson on some oh, on gotcha a, i got gotcha, okay. in, in you know some packages and stuff like that i thought yeah i don't i got confused i thought you were saying that they were going to put miles and zedarius on the inside no no okay. uh zedarius and tomlinson and uh how do i want to say this could we try and keep this uh a a family friendly is that a three four then or is staying uh, in a four three though four three okay. and, and it, it it's going to present some problems for opposing offensive linemen okay. uh, i i just i think that this defensive line uh it, it might hurt some people this year I think if they if they're able to stay healthy, I think they're going to do some serious damage. And and mm. you know it's fun to think about. They know they have the capability of doing like Miles Garrett's like giddy right now. Zadarius is giddy. Tom, well, you yeah, know, all these guys are just like they're just chomping at the bit to get to the regular season. They're so excited about what uh, defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz has in store for them. Yeah, and I mean he said it yesterday, but this whole matter of freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that Miles said yesterday, I mean, what was it that they didn't have freedom on last year to rush the passer? I'm sure that there were certain, you know, I'm like, I can't imagine. Why would you tell Miles Garrett not to rush the passer? 
because you're dropping back into coverage. That's crazy. That's a lot of Joe. Woods Unless you're was is this is going to happen. You do this. If that happens, you do that. If then this, that, and the other, then you do this, that, and the other. Like there was just a lot of thinking required in, in Joe Woods defense. And not to say that there isn't going to be thinking required in Jim Schwartz's defense. I just feel like it's going to be simplified. And Jim Schwartz is more of a, you, you, you just, kick the butt of the guy across from you. You take care of him and the other guys take care of the other guys. And that's that. And you not, you don't have to worry so much about what your teammates are doing. You really just focus on your assignment, executing your assignment. Uh, like I, I really think that like guys like Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward are just absolutely going to love playing in this particular defense under Schwartz because it's a lot of man to man. And that like, that's what those guys are. Right. I mean, they, right. They're not cover two or three, you know, whatever. That's not what they are. They are, they love playing man to man. And Schwartz is not only uh, letting them play, but that's a requirement in his defense. And so I think that that's got these guys really, really excited this year. Daryl, last question. Perry and Winfrey was inside today, not out. What's going on there? Yeah, we don't know. They're not saying. What do you think? I don't. I want to, I, I don't want to speculate with everything that's been going on with him this offseason. I don't. Uh, I I think it's unfair to speculate. Kevin Stefanski just said he didn't want to get into it. And right he's inside, and he's not hurt. He is healthy. So okay. Yeah. Just the way Kevin put it, it was. Yeah. Dis- I mean, you just sounded very disciplined. I I'll you know whatever people want to think is that's I I just I want to be very fair to Perry on want to be fair sure. to Browns in that regard. I I don't want to speculate. Okay. Uh, but I, I'm sure people can draw their own conclusions. Well, we're not speculating on this, and we've got more conclusions tomorrow when we drop another podcast. We'll go three days in a row. It's just like being to the regular season because of um, minicamp, mandatory minicamp. Daryl, uh, outstanding job again today. Look forward to hearing what you have to say tomorrow. I'm sure the players are going to be in a hurry to get out of there, knowing that their summer now happens after practice tomorrow. It's assistant coaches day on Thursday. No, it's position coaches day on Thursday. So everybody got to be getting the hell out of town. Let's put this way. So practice is over at 1230. It wouldn't shock me if guys have flights booked for one o'clock at Hopkins. For our producer, Meredith Kane, thanks for listening. It's always game day in Cleveland, and we appreciate you listening to us on the Odyssey app. Again, if you want to get a hold of us or just um, drop us a line, you can always do it on social media, Instagram and Twitter at game day, C-L-E. It's always game day in Cleveland.